0: We used tea. it in forever, so to for my coffee. Oh, you yeah. not, not well, it. <clears throat> yeah. but... Hey, we're glad you're here this morning. You're in the right place if you are logged on for Crosspoint Fellowship Live this morning. Uh, we'll start in about 10 minutes, but I want to let you know just at the very beginning here that you can uh, fast forward ahead about eight minutes, actually, We'll be starting at 11 a.m. and uh, we'll see you in a few minutes. Hey, I want to just uh, give you a heads up on some announcements. We're going to be starting in about five minutes, but I'm trying to uh, put announcements up front to fill some space. Uh, YouTube is, has uh, scolded us for using music in the background that's not uh, copyrighted or that's copyrighted. So, we uh, I want to fill this space at least with something um, worthwhile. I want to encourage you to pray for our first responders this month. We have folks even within our own body that are serving our community and serving us through uh, medical and fire and emergency services, and police services. So we want to pray for those folks this month, especially Uh, that should be a given that we lift those folks up. But let's uh, be real intentional about praying uh, during this month for our brothers and sisters and for those who we may not even know that are serving our communities in ways that are selfless and uh, putting themselves out there every day. Uh, We want to invite folks to join us online. This is a a way that someone may connect to a local church that may not connect otherwise. They may feel concerned about uh, visiting uh, in the flesh, and this might be a way that we can connect, and um, a way that they can hear the teaching and preaching of the word. You know, God has used the teaching and preaching of the word for uh, a couple thousand years to draw the saints, to draw people into His people, uh, to draw people into His His family. And um, we don't have anything else, anything better to offer. It's just the teaching and preaching of the word, and the uh, walking with the people of God, that's who we are. And that's what we're about. So this is a large portion of who we are as a people It's gathering around a meal weekly. So I want to encourage you to to invite others to do that. Uh, It might be folks that that you work with or that your neighbors uh, near that you can invite to um, join us on Sunday mornings at 11. Uh, We're going to have a membership meeting on May 31st, a zoom meeting. Can't hear. Okay. Hey, just check with her and see if she can hear now. Hey, I'm sorry. We're working through some technical difficulties. Uh, Someone's let us know that they can't hear me. So we want to hopefully get that resolved in the next four minutes. So checking to see if folks can now. All right. Awesome. There we go. Okay, good. Well, everything I just said was really not that important anyway. So I'll just say it all again. Uh, May is our month to pray for our first responders and our medical uh, fire police emergency personnel let's be intentional about lifting them up let's invite folks to join us online uh, the people of, of god have gathered around the teaching and preaching the word for a couple thousand years and that's what the lord has used to nourish and to equip the saints um, and there's we don't need to add anything to that and we don't take anything away from that that's something that we continue to do even uh during a hopefully at this point a, a few more sundays of being displaced uh, may 31st we're gonna have a membership meeting that's going to be a zoom meeting and I would probably call this, uh, I think we could call this a loose interpretation of a membership meeting. Uh, we're going to have some baptisms at that um, service, some or that meeting, some live baptisms. Uh, at least two young adults, um, young ladies are, are wanting to follow Christ and believers baptism on that particular Sunday evening at 7 p.m and one young lad that I know of for sure. So possibly more folks, uh, we have a word out. If you would like, you or our family member would like to be baptized on that zoom meeting on that live meeting. We don't need to wait. Um, There's no reason to postpone uh, obedience and following Christ and believers baptism. Uh, So we're going to make that uh, possible on May 31st um, through a a pool at our house. Uh, We also have our holy baptismal trough that we will be um, mobilizing and moving to another location that has good wi-fi that's the key as uh, a body of water with good wi-fi so uh, folks uh, so folks can join us on zoom and uh, possibly more folks being baptized that night so follow up with me after this morning and let me know if you'd like to be part of that otherwise plan on joining us on may 31st for that zoom meeting we want to give you some updates about our plan our transition back into worshiping together and then also have a time we're going to meet some new members and or have a time where we will celebrate believers baptism a couple things, a couple announcements about VBS. VBS registration is open uh, now. Uh, you can register through May 31st uh, at crosspointfellowship.us forward slash VBS forward slash. And then also, uh, we need some folks to uh, to help volunteer to distribute the uh, equipment or the, the, the boxes for the Staycation Bible School. Uh, so check your email for specific requests of how you can serve our families with children. Uh, by helping with the staycation Bible school there's a ladies virtual Bible Bible study that's starting uh, on may Thursday may 21st that's titled it's not supposed to be this way and that will go for six weeks so i I know I already sent some information out in the prep for sunday email but continue to look for some more information regarding that look more uh, look for even more information on instagram and Facebook there's a graduate video on YouTube that uh, I think has been linked to Facebook and Instagram. Uh, our graduates have had a unique season, and we want to continue to celebrate the, the achievement and uh, this milestone with them and for them and encourage them and pray for them. So just uh, take a moment and take a look at that video. There's a high school senior celebration uh, dinner that's Monday night. That'll be tomorrow night at the Folly Farm at 6 p.m. So that's May 18th tomorrow at 6 p.m. And lastly, there'll be some more information following later on this week. We have an opportunity to participate with community seeds ministry in helping distribute food to the needy in our community. Uh, It would probably be a tri-county area where we could have, um, they're hoping to have 1,000 to 3,000 people fed through this this uh, ministry effort, um, the Community Seeds Ministry, Burr Cooper has has a lead on food from Dallas, where we will have an opportunity to distribute this food probably on Friday after Friday midday or Saturday midday. The day the days are going to be up in the air, but it'll be a weekly thing. Uh, if we have enough volunteers from various churches, then we would probably be serving once every couple of weeks, and uh, would be from probably around 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. as families drive up. They tell you how many people they have in their family, and you put a box that supports the amount of food that they need for a week, and they drive away, no questions asked, ministering to, caring for the needy in our community. That's a pretty awesome opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ in our community. So I'll, uh, I'll be following up this week with more information about that, of how we can connect to that opportunity to serve our community and serve those in need. It's, it's 11.01, but I want to give at least a moment to uh, grab my coffee and get situated before we get started. So give us just a minute. hey we're back it's 1102 so we're going to go ahead and get started this morning uh, i want to start our morning with prayer i've, I've also uh, shared some announcements if you missed the announcements uh, i'll share them again at the end i do encourage you to listen to the announcements there's some pretty important stuff to be shared uh, in those announcements and i ask you to make that a point uh, to listen to those uh, let's begin in prayer this morning lord we want to thank you for these few minutes that we have together we're thankful for the medium uh, that we are able to use to continue to connect, to gather around you and your word. Lord, we pray the spirit would work through this medium, would work through this time. We pray for our families that are gathered in homes right now and our young folks, our individuals, our singles that might be gathered in homes or uh, whatever version of the above might be gathered together to hear the teaching and preaching of the word Lord, that you will be present. We already know that you will be. Lord, We are gathering in your name and we're celebrating that you're with us. Or two. Uh, this morning, I want to pray for a people group. We want to pray for the Kashmiri people of India, a uh, six million people, zero point zero zero percent of which are Christian. Lord, we are uh, lifting up this people group this morning. Uh, a Muslim uh, faith is is their practice, and uh, they are uh, war torn. As you well know, they are seated in the the the. Uh, Himalayas, uh, just considering that they have a view of your handiwork every single day, Lord, pray that you would show them more than mountains, beautiful mountains, that you would show them the personal work of your son, that you would draw them into your presence, that you would give them a, a burden to know their creator, that you would call that with folks to go to the far corners to sow the good seed of the kingdom so that they would come to know you and the whole people group would be saved. Lord, it's a massive prayer for a massive people group that are um, terribly lost. Lord, we are thankful that you care about mankind, that you are making a way for all people groups to have representatives in heaven for eternity. And Lord, we pray that you would draw this people group now. Lord also we want to pray for another church in our community. We're praying for Shady Grove Baptist church and for James and Deanne Rawson. Lord, I'm thankful for uh, James's many years of ministry in in and through Shady Grove Baptist church. Lord, I, I'm thankful for the folks that uh, live in Commerce and Cumbie and Campbell area that are a part of uh, this church, uh, maybe even uh, Greenville area. Lord, we just ask that you would bless them this morning as they maybe are worshiping virtually, Lord, that, or maybe even in person, that you would bless them, that they would be uh, in- equipped and encouraged, that they would be stirred to be a salty, bright, aromatic people that are responsive and walking with the Holy Spirit, Lord. We are trusting. Uh, this church family to you, the Shady Grove Baptist Church family, entrusting James and Deanne to you. Pray that you would sustain James as he's ministering to his wife and family and a people each week. Pray that he's surrounded by brothers and sisters who are an encouragement and a help that are about the work of ministry, uh, that are encouraging him as he goes. We are uh, just thankful for these few minutes that we have together this morning and asking you to be great, and among us and praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, a um, January, I think it was our first Sunday in January. We had a message that I can't recall exactly what the title of it was, but it was where are we looking in 2020 It was something along those lines, a little bit cheesy. Uh, I kind of don't like little cheesy titles and things like that, but it just was too perfect for us not to consider a single Sunday at the beginning of a new decade and the beginning of a new year. Uh, that where we don't together consider where we're looking in this coming year. That was the first Sunday in January. The sermon was from Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses one, two, three, around in there. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that set before him endured the cross and scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The commandment imperative in that passage is to consider him and how we were to go about that. We considered on that first Sunday in January is looking to Christ as we run the race, looking to Christ as we run, run, run the race. Now, in the four and a half months since that Sunday, we have had the most bizarre few months that probably any of us have ever lived. I don't know of anybody that's not looking around at these last four and a half months saying what in the world just happened. Things that we considered stable, these things, things that we considered were a given, we realize are not stable and are up for grabs and are a day or a week or an hour away from tremendous change. Uh, Some of the things that we've considered uh, and realized in these last four months, four and a half months, is that nothing is predictable or sure. We don't know what in the world is in in store in these coming months. Even we don't know what's going to unfold with our economy. I saw an article just a couple of days ago that was threatening, um, the, uh, the stock market, uh, a stock market crash. Now, whether, not, whether or not that's going to happen, who knows, but still that sort of language is sort of alarming where people go, man, that's this place where that's my retirement or that's my, all the money that I have is in that thing. It could be gone in a day or a week. That kind of language is a little bit shocking and we realize nothing is sure. We don't know what's in store in our world. You know, wars I think happen when people are stretched and strained. I think about places where I've never heard of a war happening like Cancun, Not a lot of wars in Cancun because people are happy and they're relaxing, recreating, but where people are stretched and strained like Kashmir, the people we just prayed prayed for, man, there's war. We don't know what in the world is in store for us in our world, in our economy. We don't know what's in the world in store for us in our health. Those Those of us, maybe I don't know of any of us that are in our church family that have had the coronavirus, but even if, It eventually happens where some of us or all of us eventually have it. Is it something that we'll be immune from forevermore? Is it something that's going to revisit us? Are we ever going to move beyond this? There's lots of things we don't know. Lots of variables. Whatever we might have been able to reasonably consider a given in the past and even in our lifetimes is changing overnight and has changed overnight. But as crazy as the last four and a half months have been, one thing is for sure. We have a static place and a person and work and teaching to look to. We do have a place to fix our eyes when things are turbulent and crazy. And that person is the person of Christ. That work is his perfect life and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And that teaching is the thing that we can consider and gather around every single week. It's static, it's timeless, it's eternal, and it's enough. It's what we need to hold on to in turbulent times. And I'm thinking right now, we began this, this last couple of Sundays, uh, last Sunday, I think teaching on prayer. I can't imagine a more timely teaching and teaching from our static, perfect Lord who's unchanging and perfect teaching on prayer. I'd like to give you a little bit of context before we get into our passage this morning, a little bit of context on the Jewish prayer life. It was pretty crazy. This would be the context of the people who are hearing the Sermon on the Mount 2000 years ago, their prayer context as Jesus is teaching them on prayer. Just listen to this. and Consider this. They were expected to recite the Shema, which is a, uh, a passage in Deuteronomy chapter six, very familiar passage to an ancient Jew and even a contemporary Jew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently while you rise, while you go by the way, when you sit. That's to be recited twice a day. Before sunrise while standing and before midnight while reclining. Okay. That's pretty significant prayers were offered at the beginning and the ending of each meal. I mean, the ending of each meal, not only are they going to pray to bless the meal, they're going to thank him at the end for the meal. They just had. there was a prayer that they prayed for fruit and one for vegetables, a prayer that they prayed for bread, another one for unripe fruit. I guess they're praying that it would ripen. I don't know what in the world they're praying there and one for sour wine praying that it wouldn't taste so sour. I don't know. Rabbis debated over what qualified as a meal and landed on anything more than an olive required prayer. Three prayers were offered at the close of a Sabbath. Okay. So that's once a week their Saturday for the lamp, for the spices and to officially mark the end of the rest day. Particular prayers were prescribed when you approached the site of a miracle, when you saw a shooting star, There was a specific prayer. When there was an earthquake, I would expect that that would kind of come naturally as praying in an earthquake. And I've, I've been in one and I can tell you the prayer came pretty natural. A clap of thunder was another time that you offered a specific prayer. A flash of lightning had a specific Hebrew prayer. A particular prayer was prescribed when you saw mountains, when you saw hills, when you saw seas, rivers and deserts. One prayer was prescribed when you heard good news, and another prayer was prescribed when you heard bad news. Particular prayers were offered when you built a home. Other prayers were offered when you purchased new cookware. Just think about that. You got a new T-Fall skillet. There's a special prayer that you prayed over that new nonstick skillet. Two different prayers were offered when you entered a town, and another two prayers were offered when you left the town. Okay, I'm not even done yet. I'm just just one more thing this year, and it, it's not a small thing. Consider this: Jews were expected to pray the Tefillah. The Tefillah was a series of eighteen benedictions, three times a day, in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening. And the law prescribed an additional Tefillah to be said at any time during the day. These prayers, these tefillah prayers, these benedictions, were given while facing Jerusalem and while the heart was focused on the Holy of Holies. This is how they were supposed to pray, those tefillahs. And the one praying should not stop the tefillah if the king greeted you or if a snake coiled around your leg. It was to not be, they were to not be interrupted. So just consider the landscape of prayer on this mountainside as Jesus begins to teach them on prayer here at the center of the center of the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching his followers who were inundated with prayer to pray. Just con- let's just start right there. He's teaching folks that pray like this to pray. One of the things that I think is striking, too, there's a a parallel passage in Luke chapter 11 where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And he taught them very similar passage. This probably predated the Sermon on the Mount. He taught them almost verbatim the Lord's prayer. But just consider these guys who also would have been inundated with prayer are asking the Lord to teach them to pray. I want us to start right there. I think we've got to start right there and just consider we need to be taught to pray. It's part, of, it's part of our fallen condition that we don't know how to talk to God. We lost access to God. We lost the cool of the day relationship with God, and we don't even know how to talk to him anymore. Jesus has to teach us to pray. Can we consider just for a moment that a people who prayed so much so often in so many different circumstances for so many different reasons still needed to be taught to pray. Can we consider that also not just as followers ourselves wanting to pray well, but as those who are teaching tomorrow's church, how to pray, those who are raising children, those who are raising, spending time with grandchildren, those who are teaching children's classes, That now is a time for us to be equipped so that we can teach tomorrow's church how to pray. Hopefully this isn't just terminating on us, but it's for tomorrow's church as well. Crosspoint. Can we humble ourselves this morning and sit at Christ's feet and be taught to pray? I want to ask you to join me for the reading of God's word in standing Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. Let's gather around our Lord and learn to pray this morning. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us through this passage this morning. We sit at our Lord's feet, ready to be taught, humbled, ready to receive instructions on how to talk with our creator Lord, teach us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. All right. I want to draw your attention to a few things this morning. Just basic observations regarding the short and simple prayer. First of all, it's short and simple. I don't want to assume anything. I want to start right there. This consummate prayer of prayers is, is short but loaded with Freight. And the freight specifically, if you want to kind of envision this thing that I'm calling phrase, how to speak with God. This prayer is he's showing them, teaching them. This prayer of prayers is at the very outset. Let's just call it short. This is the kind of prayer you'd like someone to pray before a meal, because then you can get started on the meal before it's even cold. Let's just start right there and acknowledge this loaded prayer is short. We can also say about this prayer, there's nothing fancy about this prayer. He's clearly not praying to wow the masses. There's nothing special or fancy about it. He's not praying to wow the masses on the broad streets or sway anyone like the Gentiles with word count and empty phrases. There's no repeated empty phrases in this simple prayer. It's simple and loaded with the freight of how to talk to God freight. We need a couple of other observations. First of all, there's an address. The address is where we're going to spend pretty much the entire morning. The address is our father in heaven. You can underline that or note that our father in heaven, followed by six or seven petitions, depending on how you count. And I'll show you what those petitions look like. I want you to notice something. First, the first three petitions deal with a vertical trajectory. And the next three or four deal with a horizontal trajectory. I'll I'll make a brief comment about that in a moment. But here are the the six or seven uh, petitions. First, hallowed be your name is a request. That's where we're going to spend this one and probably the next two we'll spend next Sunday. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the third one. First is hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are the three first petitions and they deal with a very vertical trajectory. The next three are a horizontal trajectory, give us our daily bread, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors and let us not or lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That last one you could count as two or one. And I uh, would like the discretion of dealing with that when we get there which would probably be Sunday after next, whether we count that as a separate one or as one or as separate or as one together so there's six or seven petitions. The first three deal with a vertical, the next three or four deal with a horizontal trajectory. Now, let me just say this right up front. This looks like a model prayer. It looks like a model prayer. And actually the words that he used there might suggest that. It says, pray then like this. He doesn't say, at least in this occasion, pray this. He says, pray then like this. That would suggest if we only had that passage alone, that this is a model, sort of a guide for us to kind of refer to, but it seems to be more than that. The Luke account that I mentioned earlier, where the disciples asked him in Luke 11, teach us to pray. The Luke account gives a little more clarity of the depth of this teaching. The Luke account could be interpreted as saying, whenever you pray, say this, or to be really specific, whenever you pray, recite, This, this would be more in keeping with a Jewish context that had known prayers for unripened fruit and sour wine, that they had a known, robust prayer. So I believe what we're considering in this prayer this morning is it is more than a model. I want to take both passages together. Matthew six, where he says, pray then like this. And Luke 11, where he says, pray this. When you pray, say this or recite this. I think we can take those things together and realize this uh, loaded prayer is so much more than a model. I'd like to take it to a higher level, a deeper, bigger level. I said higher and deeper, a bigger, broader level. In some ways, I think what he's saying here is to pray this prayer or the as, as a template, that this prayer should serve as a template are an outline that populates our prayers. What's in this prayer is what should fill our prayers. This prayer is how we are to speak to God. The sorts of things that he deals with in this prayer are the sorts of things and the actual content and substance of what should populate and fill our prayers. This is how to talk to God. Now, those are just kind of observations I had a sermon prepared this morning that actually was titled or at least at this portion, I was going to introduce this thought of this prayer at 10,000 feet and just kind of gather up a few observations. And I had four of them, and I've actually decided to just mention three of them in about 30 seconds apiece, if that, but spend the rest of the morning just on one of them that I think is just so wonderful. I may follow up with an email later on this week, giving the content of the, the rest of the three, uh, observations, but I'll at least mention them right now. First of all, here's the the, the brief observations that we're just going to spend 30 seconds or so on. Prayer is commanded here. It's kind of lost in the translation. You can't see it, but the Greek original language is it's an imperative. Pray then like this is a commandment. He's commanding his followers to pray. The notion of a follower of Christ that's not praying doesn't even make sense. It is an act of obedience. It's walking out who we are as a follower of Christ. It is an imperative. Secondly, it is populated with words like our, us and we just consider the prayer, our father in heaven, give us this day, this day, our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you want to be part of a religion that involves like solitary seasons and walkabouts where it's just you and God, you have to find another religion and you're not going to be dealing with our God because our God is our God and walking with him. in the Christian faith is very much about walking with the people. Even our prayers should be populated with we, us and our, there is nothing in the world wrong for pr- with praying for yourself. Jesus did it in the garden. Take this cup from me. There's nothing wrong with individual prayers, but is this consummate prayer, the prayer of prayers, the example and the template that should populate and fill our prayers as we see this filled with us, our, and we, that should condition how we pray. We pray as a people and we pray for people. A <clears throat> couple references there Daniel chapter nine. Look at how that guy prays, and look who he prays for and who he prays on behalf of. Of Daniel chapter 9 It's a great reference to follow up with Later on today There'll A couple other passages I'll send out with or send out later on This week to point you toward this notion That we pray as a people For a people The third thing to just draw out I pointed this out already The first three petitions are, horizontal, are vertical The next three or four Petitions are um, Horizontal That very much is in line With how our Ten Commandments flow out The first tablet is very much vertical. The second tablet deals with sort of horizontal matters. It also follows the double love command where Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is. And he says, love God, vertical and love people. So the thought here is in two second comment, pray like you love. You say you love God, man, tell him so. Tell him how he's lovable. Tell him how he's awesome. May your prayers be populated with the greatness of our God. And then secondly, you say you love people, then may your prayers be populated with prayers for and with the people of God. Praying vertically and praying horizontally. Pray like you love. Now, now I wanna to get to what I wanna spend the rest of the morning on. Would have, would have been just one of four points, but I believe the Lord led me to spend the rest of our morning just on this one point, the address. Jesus in the prayer of prayers, in the consummate prayer, teaches his followers to pray, our Father in heaven. I want to spend a few minutes just kind of dealing with what's going on there. First of all, I want you to consider that Jesus referred to and actually specifically addressed his God as Father. He addressed his God, his Father, as Father tell you up front that that's a scandal. It's a scandal that got him in a lot of trouble. We'll come back around to that. But let me kind of show you some data. I'm not a big data guy, but sometimes when you see some data, it's compelling. And in this case, I think there's some compelling data here that will, 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 will I think, surprise you. Okay, The Old Testament references to God as Father. There's about 15 of them. About 15 total in the entire Old Testament. Nine of them have to do with God being referenced as the father of Israel. He's identified as the father of Israel. The other six have to do with two of them being a reference to being David's father. He identifies himself as David's father. He identifies himself as Solomon's father in another two. And then in another occasion, he identifies himself as the father of the fatherless. That's the total for the entire Old Testament. There are a handful of other places where it's implied that he's father as he's speaking about his children in the nation of Israel. But for the most part, we're dealing with 15 total references to God as father in our Old Testament. Uh, a couple of passages that I'll, I'll have you turn to later this morning. And this one you can, if you just really quick on the draw is Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 63, In Isaiah chapter 64, let me just read a couple of passages to you. And I I, I want to just kind of tell you where I'm going with this. These passages are the closest that I can find in our entire Old Testament where God is addressed as Father. And I want you to pay attention to how it unfolds. Okay, the first passage is in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 15. You can just listen if you haven't turned there. It says, look down from heaven and see from your holy and beautiful habitation, where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. That's one of the two closest that I can find as an address and i want you to notice even in this circumstance he's still not addressing him as his father he's identifying him as his father but he addresses him as o oh lord now the other reference is just right across the page in chapter 64 verses 8 and 9 but now o oh lord there's the address you are our father we are the clay and you are our potter we are all the work of your hand Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity. Behold, please look, we are all your people. These are the closest I can find in the entire Old Testament referencing or addressing, let me qualify that, God as Father. We have a total of about 15 passages that even identify him as God the Father. Okay, That's the Old Testament survey. Now the New Testament. 65 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he is identified, referenced and addressed as father. 65 times just in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 100 times in the book of John alone, 65 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 100 times in John, 40 times in Paul's letters, He's identified and referenced and addressed in blessings, in doxologies, in thanksgivings, in prayers, in exhortations and creeds. A couple of those passages, he even identifies God, the father, as Abba, father. Now, Abba, I think I've probably even said this before, and I'd like to retract this officially. In doing more more research, I found that this is I I want to retract this. Abba does not mean daddy. It's intimate, but it's not informal in the sense where it's like, hey, daddy, we crawl up in Big Daddy God's lap. That's not what Abba means. Abba actually means my father. It would be a term like that I would only use with my earthly father if I were to use the term here on earth in an earthly sense. I would not speak of anyone one other, even a father-in-law, because it would only speak of my father. And Paul uses that term about our father, Abba twice. And Jesus prayed it in the garden of Gethsemane, as we considered in our Lenten series in Mark. The old Testament has no use of that Aramaic term, Abba, not once, three times in the new Testament, 65 times fathers identified, addressed, and spoken of, and spoken to, and spoken about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 100 times in John, 40 times in Paul's letters. And then we've got 15 times in the entire old Testament, none of which we could truly call a direct address as father. But then Jesus shows up and he speaks to God as father. He addresses him as father and it got him in a lot of trouble. One of the passages I'd like you to turn to this morning, there's just a couple. You can keep your finger over in Matthew because we're coming back to Matthew, but turn over to John chapter five. I want you to see this. I think it's helpful if you see it. If you just take my word for it, you might miss it. John chapter 5. I'll give you a little context. It's the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Yes. He's healed this guy, and um, I'll just pick up in verse uh, 15, okay, in chapter 5 of John. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. We considered that during the Lenten series as well. A big part of the reason that they wanted to crucify him was because of his treatment of the Sabbath. They didn't feel like he held it to the standard that they they thought he should. But Jesus answered them. Look what he says here. My father is working until now and I am working. Look at the next verse. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. They wanted to kill him alone for healing people on the Sabbath and his treatment of the Sabbath, but all the more for what just unfolded, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God that got him in a world of trouble in the ancient Jewish context. This was scandalous familiarity, scandalous familiarity to address God as Father. You don't see it in the Old Testament. And then Jesus shows up and he's using this term as an address all over the place, and they want to kill him. Now, so just consider that. Jesus, first of all, addressed God as Father. Before we consider what that has to do with us, let's just start right there. He addressed him as Father. That scandalous uh, familiarity. Now consider this: Jesus the only begotten son of God, we know that's who he is. John three sixteen, that maybe the first passage you ever memorize, he's the only begotten son of God, tells his followers to pray beginning with the address, our father in heaven. Okay, let's start back with the scandal. The fact that he even addresses God as father, first of all, is a scandal. But then now here on this sermon, he's teaching his followers, to actually address them, address God also as our father. Man, this truly is a shocker. Jesus referred to God as father 43 times in the book of Matthew. This is the last data I'm going to give you, but it's interesting. And it's helpful I think. 43 times in the book of Matthew. Most of these times there's a personal pronoun in front of it. Like your, like our, like my, like their, T-H-E-I-R, when he's referring to the sons of the kingdom, their God, and their father. He also speaks of uh, uh, his father as his father. When he's speaking third person about himself, what's interesting about these personal pronouns is you kind of collect them up and gather them up. They suggest that Jesus did not view God as the father of all people everywhere, but only as the follower as the father of those who follow Christ. Only as the father of those who follow Christ. He used this language specifically. He developed this in Matthew chapter 11. I told you kind of keep a finger in Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 11. It's the only other place I'd have you go this morning. Uh, Specifically, of course, you can turn to other passages, but just turn there. I want to show you how he develops this, this notion of God the Father as an address for those who are followers of Christ only. Look at how this unfolds beginning in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Okay. That's just context. Okay. Here's where I really want you to pay attention. All things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. No one knows the father or no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son reveals or chooses to reveal him. He's not like mother nature for humanity, except he's a father. He is father to those who know the son, to those whom the son chooses to reveal him. Maybe you can consider this for a familiar passage from John chapter 14, verse 6, verse 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. He's presenting to them in the earliest words of this prayer and teaching them how to pray to redeem this thing that was lost in the garden. Here's how you speak to your father. First of all, you can speak to him as your father because you know me because you're mine because you're a follower of me. That's why you can begin your prayer with our father, our relationship with God. The father is exclusive, man. We've got to consider that as we're going to be taught to pray. We should first of all recognize the address alone is exclusive. The prophets and the priests and the Kings, All the Old Testament figures that we've read about our whole lives would pine to have the kind of relationship that we have with that we can address him as our father. It is a privileged, exclusive address. Here's a little hint of it in Matthew chapter seven. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter seven, verse seven, this familiar passage: "It's ask and you will; it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives; the one who seeks finds; the one who knocks it will be open." Listen where he goes with this. Uh, are, are which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your There's a pronoun. Your father or your father as a follower of Christ, your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. This is a privileged address and a privileged relationship. This had to have been shocking to hear this in the Sermon on the Mount. This was a shocking teaching. We've got to try to be shocked by it. We lived in Fort Worth uh, years ago when I was in seminary. We lived in a whole old house on Ryan Avenue. Um, If you go north of Berry Street, Ryan Avenue is these amazing old homes. You go south of of Berry Avenue, um, we're on Ryan or Berry Street. We're on Ryan Avenue is where there's bars on windows and you're really kind of rough neighborhood. But we lived in this cool house. It was pink. It was actually salmon covered if we're going to keep it manly, it was salmon colored. And, uh, it was, it was, um, uh, built in 1933. And it, it you know, given that you, if you know history, you know what was going on in 1933, they're not going to build probably the most robust house in the world. That's that's when the great depression was going on. Uh, the walls were thin. It was a cool old house, but it wasn't a brick house. It was a pretty thin little house and it was a hundred steps from a railroad from an active railroad and when i say active i'm talking two or three trains a day maybe more what do you think two or three and it was funny whenever we would have company or have family come in to visit a a, a train would come rumbling through and of course it shook the whole house i mean you're sitting there you're feeling like you're in the earthquake you know you start doing the jewish earthquake prayer you know but, but until you know better but folks that were visiting go what is that are we about are we about to die And we're like oh no nah, it's just a train In fact, we got to where we didn't even hear it anymore. It became so commonplace. It was routine. We'd lost that the whole house shook when this thing came through. And I wonder if we become so familiar with God as Father that we've lost the freight train full of privilege that goes along with that address. It is a train that should shock us that we can call God our Father is truly A shocker. Jews in their context, they had terms like this for God, sovereign Lord, king of the universe. Are those things true? Are they appropriate addresses? Absolutely. But that's all they had. Terms like that. They had no problem with transcendence or reverence, but what that was new and unfamiliar and even radical, was the teaching of God as our approachable Father is truly, truly something that should shock us. And I'll, lastly, this morning I want to show you how how we got it. Turn, if you would. So, the last place I'd have you turn is in John chapter twenty, and I do want you to see this. So, please turn there with me. John chapter twenty. I want to show you just how wonderful this this address is, and what it means to us. What it should mean to us. John chapter 20, beginning in verse uh, 17. Now let's let's begin in verse 15, just so for the sake of context, we kind of ease into what is actually being said here. Just, just for context, Jesus said to her, woman, this, we could look up. It's Mary Magdalene. We're speaking of woman. Why are you weeping? This is after uh, the resurrection. Uh, Whom are you seeking supposing him to be a gardener? She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned. That's awesome. I I, I love that. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, look what he says to her. Don't cling to me for I've not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. (laughs) I am going to my God and now your God man think about what has just happened if if your Bible's like mine you can flip the page over and you can see the headings in chapter 19 the crucifixion what's in front of that is sinless perfect life birth of a virgin a birth from a virgin Sinless, perfect life here. Crucifixion in chapter 19, the death of Jesus also in chapter 19, the burial of Jesus also in chapter 19, and then the resurrection in chapter 20 and the first conversation he has with Mary, you go tell your brothers that I'm going to, I'm ascending to my father. And now your father, I just earned that title. I just earned that address for you. I just want it. I just fulfilled what I was sent to do and I did it completely. And I did it fully. And now you can call him your father and your God. And this is a privileged, privileged address. He won this address for us and it was expensive. So in the beginning of a teaching on prayer, let's just consider this together. Let's use it. Let's use it. Let's work at using this address. Let's work at addressing him. What privileged access we have. We're praying to the one that was previously inaccessible, unapproachable. But now through Christ and his work, we can come to him calling him Abba, my father, my father. What a privilege John in first John chapter three said this, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are, what a privileged people, what a blessed people that we can address, God, as our, my Father. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we can address you as Abba. God, we are thankful for that kind of Access. Father, we are thankful for that kind of welcome, like a father welcoming a child. Father, at least for this morning we're shocked by it. We are thankful. Acknowledging that that address and our access to you was really hard won, but one it was. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for making it possible for us. Lord, please forgive us where we just take this for granted, this access and this address. Please burden us to come to you like a good father. Christ's name we pray. Amen. uh, Let's go ahead and take a moment and distribute the elements. Uh, If you have supper at home there, I'll give you a minute to do that. Daniel, they have a basket too. Okay, cool. Thank you. you know, we celebrate the supper every single week, and it's so fitting because it is how our access was won. As we celebrate the supper, we remember the price paid, we remember the cross, we remember our Savior, we remember what he did for us. And hopefully our hearts are thankful and full. Uh, Let me encourage you, if you are trusting Christ to find some bread and some juice or wine or something and enjoy him right now. If you are not trusting in Christ and you're just kind of looking for a snack then just hold out for lunch, this is for God's people. These are for the people of God that call God father only and absolutely because of our union with Christ by faith. Our union with Christ by faith means that his death is counted and his payment is counted as ours. And his victory over death is also counted as ours. We enjoy this every single week. He is our everything. Let's take and eat in faith. Let's take and drink in faith. Well, thank you all for joining us this morning. Stick around just for a moment, if you would. Let me share some brief announcements. These, there's some really important announcements in here, so I just encourage you to uh, stick around just for a moment. First of all, I want to pray for our first responders this month. Be real intentional about lifting up our brothers and sisters uh, who are serving uh, our community and serving us in so many different ways. Uh, I want you to encourage uh, folks uh, to join us online. They can hear the teaching and preaching of the word. Uh, Just folks that may not step in the doors of a building may have, may have be willing and have the time and the resources to join us online and hear the teaching and preaching of the word. And they may taste and see that the Lord is good. It's been what's nursed the saints for a couple thousand years, and we can still do this. So encourage folks to connect if they're not part of a church. May 31st, we're going to have a membership Zoom meeting, and I use the term membership loosely because I think it's going to be broadened up a little bit to those who may have been visiting with us as well. Uh, We're going to try and update our congregation on uh, some of this transition, our phasing back in to being together again, but we're also going to have um, a presentation of some new members. that that are ready to join and also some live baptisms. So uh, we're going to have Zoom baptisms that night and live. All baptisms are live, but they'll be they won't be pre recorded. is the the point that I'm trying to make. There'll be actually a real time, uh, actual real time baptisms. Uh, We have a couple of young ladies in in our young adults that are following Christ and believers baptism that uh, and, and at least one young man that I'm aware of. So and possibly more. So if you would like to be part of this baptism, we want to figure out how to make that happen. It's a if it's a logistics problem, then the Lord will sort that out. But if you are burdened to follow Christ and believers baptism and you have not been baptized, then uh, you can follow up with me this week or any of our, our elders or deacons. And we'll figure out how to work that out for our May 31st Zoom meeting. The ladies are starting a virtual Bible study on May uh, 21st, uh, Thursday. That's titled It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And uh, there's some information that's already been sent out about it on the weekly prep for Sunday email, Uh, but we'll send out some additional uh, information this week of how you can link up before that May 31st, ladies, if you'd like to join that. VBS registration is happening right now through May 31st. You can register at crosspointfellowship.us forward slash VBS forward slash. Also, I want to encourage you along the lines of VBS um, this, that, that we are sending out uh, requests for some volunteers to help distribute boxes and get uh, the kits out to our families as they come up to the campus here. So I want you to just encourage you to check your emails to see how you can serve our families with children by being part of that distribution. There's a graduate video on, on YouTube uh, that I think is probably also circulated around Facebook and Instagram uh, for our high school graduates. Uh, it may have a college graduate uh, on there as well. Uh, but I, w- I want to encourage you to make take some time to watch that video and then take some time to connect to those young people to congratulate them on this milestone. It's been a very strange season for our graduates and uh, we, can, uh, we have an opportunity to just bless them by letting them know that we're praying for them in this in this uh, next chapter. There's a high school celebration or high school senior celebration dinner tomorrow night at 6 p.m. at the Folly Farm and I think those uh, students already know about that. That's for the students. Uh, not for their families, uh, just trying to spend some special time with those young people, uh, just encouraging them and praying for them and having a good meal together as they transition into this next chapter. The last thing I have for you is um, some information about a a local ministry called Community Seeds. Uh, Community Seeds Ministry is based out of Lone Oak. Uh, Bert Cooper is the guy's name and just doing a wonderful work of connecting to folks that have needs in our community. He has connected to um, a resource that can provide up to 3000 actually said it's up to about for serving about 15,000 people a month. Uh, so this is through, uh, some of the resources that have, have been made uh, available to our communities. Dallas is sort of home base for this, but he's going to work on getting food out here to where we can distribute food to a tri county area, uh, uh, weekly. So we need to ha- have an army of saints, uh, out there helping deliver this food. And it's not driving around delivering. It will probably be uh, located at L3 will be one site and Wesley United Methodist will be another site where families can drive in. They don't even have to get out of their car. They pop their hood or not their hood. Uh, they pop their trunk and um, the uh, they identify how many members in their family. We grab a box. I mean, we're having to wear PPE stuff but we grab a box we put that, that would support the, the food needed for a week and we put it in their car and they drive away. And we do that in the name of Jesus. That's pretty cool. And that's a wonderful opportunity for us to minister to folks that are going to be having, that may have even right now, real needs in our community due to having lost their job or whatever. So uh, it's a great opportunity. I will get some more details out in front of you in this coming week. We're hoping to have a couple hundred volunteers between our local churches. So if we have 25, 30 volunteers from Cross Point, then we'll be on a rotation with other churches. So that I mean, we're serving maybe once or twice a month uh, on a Friday or a Saturday from around 10 to 3. So uh, be looking for more information about that. It's a wonderful opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ in our community. Uh, let me uh, end our morning with our benediction. So if you'd like to stand, let's receive our benediction together. It's a fitting ending to our morning from Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week.